Hey there, this is Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I am Shanda Sung and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan and I'm a farmer. We have been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is about small towns. How appropriate, we grew up in a small town. Yeah, you know, sort of. It was, uh, it had a, a, a post office and a gas station that was a convenience store and uh, a restaurant sometimes. It had two bus stops, oh, but, yeah. no, but no stop lights. <laughs> <laughs> and let, let's be clear, this is uh, school buses. Yeah, not, school bus stops. There is no public transit. No. <laughs> in Spencerville, you can, Indiana. <laughs> you could maybe hitch a ride on the back of an Amish buggy. That counts yeah, as public sure. transport, right? <laughs> You'll get somewhere eventually. <laughs> yes, very small town. I loved it. I, as I think back on it, it is quainter in my mind. You know, it's got definitely rose-colored glasses. You know, there was a lot of being bored. There was a lot of, like, when I was a little bit younger, because you would go away for the summers mm-hmm. and then... Like all of my friends lived in the next town over, which means a 15 minute drive. And I didn't have a car and it's the summer. But my brother, all of his friends lived like in town walking distance. So he had plenty of people to hang out with in the summers. And I was like, me and all my friends are so far away. So that was a little bit of a bummer. But yeah, it, it was definitely a culture shock coming to even Bloomington, which is not a big town. It's, <laughs> it calls itself a city, but I think that's a stretch. <laughs> but just being able to get food delivered was huge. Yeah. I was like, they will bring it to me. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to drive 10, 15 minutes to go get it. Yeah. So, I mean, this place felt huge to me. But you you went big and then you went right back to small. Yeah, I sure did. I live in, out in the country now, so I'm not even really in a town at all. But yeah. Yeah, when we were growing up, I remember we used to play hide and seek in the town. Yeah, that was awesome. Somebody would count in a yard and then we would all scatter throughout the town and you would literally play tag. It was like 10 kids, maybe that. I don't know. I don't know exactly how many kids were all involved. But my favorite hiding spot was I would jump up to grab the lowest branch of a tree that was in the churchyard. Yeah. And I could shimmy up there and I would watch everybody run by. (laughs) So I was actually really close to the base or however we did it. Nobody could ever catch me. Yeah, because the church steps were base. Yeah. Yeah. So I would stay right there in the churchyard. But people would hide under neighbors' porches and their bushes around the side of the house. Like, they had to have known that there were kids just running around their yards, yeah. but I don't think anybody cared. And everybody kind of knew each other. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think there were people watching out for us while we were yeah. little kids. It, it was a lot of, I feel like I knew uh, almost everybody who lived there in the town. And then like, do you remember going door to door to sell like school fundraisers? <laughs> and that Vaguely. was just... I mean, I would never, okay? <laughs> like, my neighborhood is very safe, but hell no. 
for one, I had to have these like conversations. I, there was one guy, I remember he was on his roof. I didn't know him. He was on his roof doing some work or something. And I walked up and I had like a book of coupons or something I was selling. And he, I was like, hey, uh, would you want to buy this for $50? And it has a savings of up to $350. And he's like, tell me how that saves me money. Tell me. <laughs> How exactly do you think I'm going to use everyone? Now, uh, how many of these coupons are for the same business or different types of businesses or, or businesses I'm not going to patronize? Well, then how how is that saving me money? You realize $50 is a lot of money. I was like, I'm 13. I don't want to be doing this any more than you want me to be doing this. My God, man, give me a break. <laughs> It was a very intense conversation, and I just, like, wanted to melt into the ground. So, yeah. But then there's one thing. Like, they send home these fundraisers for my kids, and they say very clear, sell only to people you know. Do not cold call. Do not walk through the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so. remember Halloween in our town. We had the main portion of our town. The Yeah. It's like the, three blocks. Yeah, three blocks blocks yeah. is a loose term <laughs> but then there was a curve as you came in with a sprinkling of houses around the curve and then a curve as you went out of town with a sprinkling of houses along that curve and the southernmost curve i remember there was a guy who lived in a house that a lot of people didn't come that far south mm -hmm. they usually just went to the furthest block and then cut across but there were people who did go to his house because he was like the only one in town that had full size candy bars. Oh, hell yeah. And so but I don't know if you remember this, but he made you like come into his house, yes. which is creepy in, in nowadays. But he made yeah. you come into his house and sit on his floor and he had to like tell jokes or stories. So you had to suffer through like 10 minutes yeah. of this guy telling jokes and stories before he would actually give you a full size <laughs> candy bar. And I'm pretty sure now that's a hostage situation. <laughs> but for us, it was a nice small town with the quirky guy, but he had full size candy bars. So it was totally worth the potential of getting kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, you had to go in there. It was a very small house. And he always had a giant it was like a giant tub full of them. And mm -hmm. so you just sat there just eyes glued to this tub, like the most candy I've ever seen in my life. It, I mean, maybe I'm inflating it in my memory, but I, it was like a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And my brother, my brother, I, we were talking about that guy recently because he is living in a really nice neighborhood now. He owns a, a house and he was like, I can't wait for trick-or-treaters because he never really had any in his previous neighborhood. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get trick-or-treaters. He's like, I'm going to be full bar guy. And I was like, are you going to be less weird about it? Because <laughs> that would be good. And he's like, oh, yeah, but I'm going to be full bar guy. And I was like, I don't know, man. Your neighborhood's pretty swanky. I think everybody is full bar guy. <laughs> You're going to have to step it up. You're going to have to have, like, actual complete packages of Twizzlers or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. going to have to give them one of each bar just to keep up with the Joneses at the end of the block. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was cool. I'm very glad that we lived in a small town. I, I enjoyed growing up there, especially, you know, when I was very young, we lived in Fort Wayne and not really a neighborhood kind of feel there, I guess. And it felt insulated and comfortable in that small town. And 
and I think our high school experience was good. And so where we live now, we're a little outside of Bloomington. So we go to a smaller school district and I like that. It's mm-hmm. still bigger than ours was <laughs> because it's hard not to be. <laughs> but yeah, my husband went to his high school was I think he had 2,400 in his graduating class. Jeez. And so I was like, that's too much. And he's like, that's not enough. And so we hit right in the middle. And so I think that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, I love a small town. I appreciate it. I like driving through small towns. There are lots around here. I like going out of my way to kind of see a cute downtown or whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about some kind of weird small towns. And I'm first. Yep. Because this is episode 31. We are now in our 30s. So... Our knees creak when we stand up and uh, we uh, have sleeping problems. <laughs> this, this podcast, but this podcast knows itself better. Yeah. You know? Our 20s, yeah, no. you know, in the in the 20s of the podcast life, it was a little wild, a little free, making some unique decisions, trying to just figure out who it is. And now we're in our 30s and we've we're learning who we are as a podcast. Yeah. We've settled down. We're getting in the groove of things. We're really comfortable. <laughs> we're padding our 401k. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to talk to you about Centralia, Pennsylvania. You been? Nope, never heard of it. Yeah, perfect. It means I picked a good one. <laughs> so Centralia, Pennsylvania is sort of in the east central part of Pennsylvania, and it's an old coal mining town. Coal mining began in the area in the 1850s. There's quite a bit of coal in that area, as in lots of places in Pennsylvania. And it really kind of took off in the late 1800s. And there was actually some mob activity in the area and attempts to unionize, including someone murdering the town founder. And it ended up being attributed to this group called the Molly Maguires, who were a secret society supporting Irish workforce. (laughs) <laughs> and so they were kind of sneaking in on these small coal mining towns and causing havoc in the spirit of creating union strength and speaking up for the workforce in these mining towns. Huh. And so there there caused some problems in Centralia at that time. And actually, there's a local legend that says that a priest, Father Daniel Ignatius McDermott, was attacked by some members of the Molly Maguires and he cursed the town. Ooh, yeah. And maybe he did it. Because Centralia, Pennsylvania is on fire. Uh Uh-oh. Currently. Literally? (laughs) Literally. So in the early 1960s, a lot of the mining companies had closed and pulled out of the area. In 1950, actually, the county council acquired the main amount of the, it's anthracite coal is what is there. I don't know what how that makes that different from other types of coal, but that's what they have. And there was a main seam of it, and companies had pulled out, mining companies have started to pull out. And so the town council was like, we're going to take possession of this, and it's going to be owned and managed by the town. In the late 50s, they needed a new landfill, and so there was an open strip mine that hadn't been used that was part of what the town had owned. And they decided, we'll just make that a landfill. Hmm. So they start throwing trash into an open strip mine. I know nothing about mining. 
But that, to me, seems like not a good idea. (laughs) So they did that. And then the landfill got a little out of hand. And so in 1962, the town council was like, okay, the fire department needs to figure out how to take care of this landfill, kind of clean it up a little bit. And the way they did that at other landfills around the town was to set it ablaze and Uh burn it down a bit. And so that was the plan. But they had not ever done that in this particular landfill. And when they did, it burned for a few days, as usual. They put it out, blah, 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 blah. Did not do their due diligence, as Smokey Bear would have told them, saying, (laughs) if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. But they didn't listen to Smokey, and the fire was not entirely extinguished. And there was an opening in the pit from an old mine that had not been sealed. And so the fire went down into the labyrinth of mines under the entire city and caught all the coal on fire. Oh, no. And it has been burning ever since and is burning to this day. And scientists believe that it could burn for another 200 to 500 years. Because of the amount of coal and fuel that is in this town. So this happens. They start to notice, okay, so there are columns of smoke coming up out of the earth. And (laughs) this seems to be a problem. But nobody really makes any major moves about it for like 12 years. They're like, (laughs) oh, hey, uh, we're on top of an active burning coal mine. That's fun. This isn't the first time this has ever happened. It's happened in other towns, of course, you know, various reasons that there would be a fire in a mine, sometimes accidents, sometimes deliberately set that got out of control and things like that that burned a long time. But this one was big. It went under this whole set of abandoned mines. And so it starts coming up through the earth. And there would just be smoke coming up through the earth. And then you're starting to smell the carbon monoxide. And and 12 years later, they start to realize how bad it had gotten. So the reason that they start to realize the scope of this thing and how bad it is, is because a guy who owned a gas station goes to check on his gas tanks that are underground, puts a dipstick down in there, pulls it out, checks it, and it's hot. Uh-oh. And he's like, that's not good. <laughs> And so then they start to investigate and they realize this is really out of control, which that's pretty like mild. Because when I started reading the sentence, man owns gas station, I was like, that dude blew up. Yeah, (laughs) that's where I thought it was going. (laughs) So I think he kind of got off easy. (laughs) Oh, it's just warm gas. Yeah, just warm gas. (laughs) Oh, good. He's probably still alive then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, who hasn't had warm gas ever now, every now and then? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I told that joke while she was taking a drink and she almost choked on it. I sure did. Point to me. Uh, That man may have made it, but I did not. (laughs) Well, another thing, uh, in 1981, a sinkhole opened. Several sinkholes started to open, but one opened so quickly that a 12-year-old boy almost fell into it. He was hanging, like a movie, he's hanging on the side of it, holding on to tree roots, and his cousin had to come over and pull him out of it. And, uh, yeah, so that that made a lot of news, and it started to get national attention. People were like, hey, this town has been on fire for a long time. And so they start to send in experts to test the air quality and, 
and things. And then they're seeing that more of these vents are opening up where smoke is coming out. And then sinkholes are happening all over. It starts to crack the main highway that runs along. And so Congress says, this is a hazard. You all should probably leave. (sighs) And at this point, the population is 1,100 people. Small town. Mm -hmm. But... People start to slowly move away because of this, because why the hell would you stay? Yeah. But a lot of people stayed just because they couldn't afford to move. And so Congress decides that they're going to allocate $42 million for relocation. In 1983, they send this money because they did a test and they're like, how much to put this out? And they're like, a billion (laughs) dollars. And they're like, cool, we'll just pay everybody's moving expenses instead. Let it burn. (laughs) I think that got that kind of money. Yeah. A billion dollars in 1982? Yeah. So they allocate this money. They buy up people's homes so that they can move. And a thousand people moved. And they condemned the town and demolished 500 buildings. And that left about 100 people. By 1990, there were 63 residents left. Holden Strong told the government, keep your money. I'm staying here because I live here. And I don't mind the fumes. What's left, though, by that point? And if I fall in a sinkhole, I fall in a sinkhole, damn it. I'm going to die in a sinkhole like God intended. Yeah. And in 1992, the Pennsylvania governor invoked eminent domain and condemned the entire town and seized all of the land. And so the people who were still living there, the government had had invoked eminent domain and said, you have to go. You got to get out of here. But five families stayed, dug in their heels and decided to stay and fight the imminent domain seizure of their town. And uh, in 2020, the census is 11 people live here. But they live nowhere because in 2002, the government disincorporated them. They discontinued their zip code. So some of the people who live there, they can't get mail. They can't give people directions to their house using, like, you can't, like, Google it because it <laughs> there's no zip code. People have to know the area to kind of get to it. They essentially live nowhere. And so they, they continued to fight it. And eventually in 2013, the state decided, okay, if you're there, if you're already there, you can be there. And that's fine. But when you die, we're condemning your property. You know, you can't leave it to your family and have them move in. When you're gone, you're gone. And so that's kind of how it's been. There are 11 people, none of them under 18. They're all between their 50s and 60s, mostly. I think there are a couple like in their 40s. But I kept looking like, who are these people who stayed, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I found an article that talked to someone who had left when she was a teenager and she had some family who were still there. And that was the only way to kind of find out because these people are like, we are tired of you asking us. <laughs> so we're done talking to you. <laughs> so they, so there's not really any like interviews with these people because they're like, leave us alone. And the, the main thing of, of what this town is at this point is a tourist destination. Mm-hmm. People come through, they come into town, they come and look at the vents of smoke, which there are fewer now. There is one cemetery that smokes, which is pretty amazing Ooh, spooky it's like up on a hill and then just smoke comes off of it just like char broiled bones <laughs> i bet it smells that. delicious up there oh yeah 
<laughs> so gross. It's like having meat uh, in the smoker. <laughs> that's insensitive. Don't disrespect the dead, okay? That's insensitive. Yeah. The delicious, delicious dead. <laughs> oh, now I'm hungry. Come on. Oh, no. Oh, man. Well, so people kept coming to the town and some movies were shot there. It was the basis of the movie Silent Hill. And um, and then the highway that has been closed and condemned, it was the main highway that went through there, cracked down the middle and people would come and check it out and they started spraying graffiti on it. And so it got called Graffiti Highway and people would come and see Graffiti Highway and they would see some of the, the buildings that are left standing. They're mostly gone. There's like one church, a few houses, but most of it was raised when the when the state seized it and it's sort of gone back to ground. You can see these like Google Earth images of it and you can see like the grid layout of the town. It's sort of laid out like our town, Spencerville. Is, it, it's just like a few blocks, but it's gone back to the earth essentially. There are no buildings and it's growing over the streets and stuff, which is kind of cool and haunting. But the people who live there, they the article I found that was talking to the girl who had left, she said, my family... Didn't want to leave at first because they they couldn't afford it, but then they got offered double what their house was worth from the state, and so they took it and they left. But they had a neighbor who stayed, and she lost her cat in a sinkhole and was really upset about it, but she was like, this is my home. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay no matter what. And she actually kind of got in trouble because she was standing on her porch with a gun screaming at tourists. (laughs) And they're like, maybe, like, don't do that. (laughs) Maybe the fumes uh, got to her. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then there were some other people who were just like, hey, you know, they told us, scientists told us that it was so dangerous and I'm still alive. So I'm not going to leave just because they say that I should because I'm not dead yet. It's like, well, then, I mean, good for you, I guess, if it makes you happy. Yeah. But also, um, what if they were right? (laughs) And it's kind of like the situation where, you know, they they drowned the potential witches to prove that they were human. Uh, I don't know. So and then some people are just like, I enjoy being off the grid and there's my opportunity. Can't get more off the grid than this. Yeah. We are not a town anymore. And so, yeah, if they want to live there and and they don't mind the smell and the sinkholes, then good on them, I guess. But there is a conspiracy that. A couple people were like, this is all just a grab by the state because the town council owns the mines. And they're like, as soon as all the residents are gone, then the coal rights, the town no longer exists. So the coal rights go to the state, which would make sense if it wasn't on fire. Right. (laughs) Because maybe, you know, maybe the state really wanted that coal but also i can't imagine that it has a whole lot of value at this point yeah that it's burning at least we know it works right (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i like where i live i like our small town i left it but i can't imagine wanting to live somewhere so bad that i'm like i'll live in a not town where they're there's no like nobody's repairing the roads. They've all got to be terrible. There's no fire department. There's no EMTs probably. 
<clears throat> you know, to get an ambulance out there has to be terrible. And uh, I don't know. Nah. They have more grit than I. I'll say that. Uh, I think my dad would stay in Spencerville if it burnt <laughs> to the ground. He'd be like, no way. My house is paid off. Uh, I put a lot of work <laughs> into it. Uh, I got the lawn finally just right. So, yeah. no, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. I don't know. I can't imagine wanting to be anywhere that bad. <laughs> no. No. I think it would take way, way less for me to leave this house and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, shit. Than the a sinkhole that almost ate a 12-year-old. Um, The dog lets out a nasty fart and I'm ready to move. I can only imagine if the whole <laughs> town was on fire. Pack some bags. We're getting out of here. <laughs> Smells real yeah. bad around here. No, thank you. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And if it's a, it's a burning... Coal 24-7, it's got to just smell like dog fart. That's a whole town that smells like dog fart. I am pretty sure that this town is single-handedly contributing to global warming. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I mean, it. it's not helping. It's I'll a burning torch 24-7 for the past however many years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 50 years of burning and, and unlikely to stop. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. It makes me wonder... If the firefighters got into trouble over starting the fire. Yeah. But yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Can't get much smaller of a town than one that just went away. <laughs> disappeared and has 11 people living in the area still. Yeah. So that's my small town. I can't wait to hear about yours. I'm sure you got something good. So let's uh, take a break and then we'll come back and see what you got to say. All right. And we're back. My small town that I'm going to talk about is a town called Put-in-Bay, Ohio. I love Put-in-Bay. <laughs> yeah. I've actually I never been there. real drunk there. You've been there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've never been there. Tyler's been there. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So for those of you who haven't been, it is a small town located on an island in Lake Erie. There's a whole series of islands called the Bass Islands. So it's North Bass, Middle Bass, South Bass Islands. And then there's a few others sprinkled around, like Kelly's Island and a couple others. Putin Bay is actually considered a village that's located there on South Bass Island. The island is located 15 miles northwest of Sandusky and about 35 miles east of Toledo. I could not get a definite answer on the population yeah. I saw a bunch of different populations listed anywhere from 71 people to 610. Yeah. I have a feeling it depends on what census they're using and what time of year it is because yeah, it's very yeah. much a summer town. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with the 610. I think 610 is the amount of people on the island, not just put in bay. But you can get to the island by ferry, by plane. There is a small airport there, of course, by boat. Or when the water freezes over in the winter, you could drive over there, <laughs> <laughs> which I want to do. That scares the crap out of me. I think they take ATVs, so it's not like a yeah, vehicle, okay. but still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to really trust your ice. Yes. Mainly, they are known for their tourism and their vineyards. Uh, like I said, Tyler's been there. I asked him about it. I was like, hey, so you've been there, right? I've never been there. I'm going to talk about a city I've never been to. 
But he said it's a lot like a port town, beach town, that same kind of vibe. He flew in and they got a golf cart and just drove around the island. And a lot of people were out and about and drinking, having a good time. Live music he went and saw there. So they have a they have an airport, a small one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was flying his jet in there. I think yeah. it was just a little Cessna or something. <laughs> uh, I know we're supposed to be headed to Boston, but I really need a beer. So I'm gonna <laughs> take my, a little detour here. One of my favorite bands is playing, so we're going <laughs> to land this jumbo jet at Putin Bay. So this town and island actually has a really interesting history. So the first visitors to come to the island were of course native americans Mm -hmm. they walked over across the ice in the winter to hunt the island is very heavily wooded so they would come over and hunt raccoon and deer and and other woodland creatures in the 1700s fur traders would stop Mm -hmm. and either rest set up camp or try to do some trapping in the early 1800s settlers did come and try to settle the land they brought over farm animals and tried to clear the land and till it but they didn't get very far because the war of 1812 started mm-hmm. and things kind of went wonky in that region yeah because <laughs> of the war so Putin bay actually played a very pivotal role in the war of 1812 the first year of the war was not really going well for the Americans and their allies. Mm -hmm. The British and their Native American and Canadian allies were actually winning a lot of the battles. They had captured Detroit Mm. and it was just a mess. Then in September of 1813, Commander Oliver Hazard Perry, which... Why is your Oliver's middle name not Hazard? Okay. I know. Um, But I will say that this is a uh, a name inspiration for my Oliver. Ah. Because there is a rumor that I've been unable to substantiate that I am related to Oliver Hazard Perry. Really? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, on my mom's side of the family. And I tried to trace it back um, through Ancestry.com a few years ago. But, yeah, it's just something that I've always been told. And, um, yeah, so when we were picking Oliver, I was like, yeah, I like that. But, yeah, Hazard would have been a a pretty kick-ass middle name. And given (laughs) given his uh, personality, it probably would have been pretty good, too. (laughs) It would have fit very well, yes. (laughs) So Commander Oliver Hazard Perry set up a naval base. They're in Putin Bay. And while there was downtime, they were doing a lot of training, but they were also spying on the British who had a fort not far away in Ontario. So around September 1813, the British started to come across the lake, but they didn't know that Perry and his men were stationed there at Putin Bay. Yeah. And they were able to head them off before they hit land. And it was a battle that happened out on the lake and they won. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty big win for them because the Americans had been losing mm-hmm. for a while. And it really was a turning point in the war. 
And the fact that they didn't make land helped a lot strategically. And so he was a hero. Yeah. And it was a huge deal that they won that battle. On the island, there is a war memorial. It was built in 1912, and it is 352 feet tall. Yeah. Big. And I think you can climb up it and look around. We did not do that. We went to the memorial and there's like a little kind of museum and you can watch like a video and stuff. And um, we did do that. We didn't go up in it. I don't know if it wasn't open or if the wait was too long and we just wanted to get back to drinking. <laughs> but we did definitely <laughs> go there. <laughs> so post-war, they were finally able to settle and farm the land. In 1854, a Spanish merchant named Joseph de Rivera bought several of the islands and broke them up into, I forget if it was 10 or 40 acre plots, but started to develop the islands. They found that it was really good for grape growing mm -hmm. in that region. And so winemaking became a huge deal. And of course, every year there were these celebrations to celebrate the win that Perry had captured. So there were celebrations every year. It became a tourist attraction. It wasn't officially incorporated until 1873. But all during that time, there were steamships that would bring 1,500 people at a time to come party. Yeah. <laughs> So many people were coming and it was such a popular destination that there was a hotel built called Hotel Victory in 1887. It had 625 guest rooms and it was the largest hotel at the time. Wow. And it even had a co-ed swimming pool. Oh, ho, ho. So scandalous. <laughs> Unfortunately, in 1919... The third floor caught on fire mm. and the whole thing burnt to the ground within an hour. Oh, my gosh. That's a, uh, a coal-fired, uh, hot heat. <laughs> yes. Burned to the ground. Wow. Yeah. That had to have been a yeah. very dry building. Flames, I think, reached 72 feet in the air, and it was seen from Sandusky and even Detroit. Wow. So that's unfortunate that they lost that big hotel. I really, it would have been really cool to see if they had been able to yeah. keep it and just keep maintaining and restoring it throughout the years to go stay at this yeah, giant awesome. hotel. That would have been great. Fun facts about Putin Bay. In 1679, fur trader Robert LaSalle named the area Isle de Fleurs. Sorry for all you French speakers. It's... Isle de Fleur is probably how you say it. <laughs> you gotta like stick your tongue fully out when you're pronouncing French words. Isle de Fleur is how you say it. It was named this, which essentially means island of flowers or flower island, because of all the beautiful and previously unknown flowers in the area. So a lot of them were undiscovered. And he showed up and was like, hey, I don't know what they are, but they're beautiful. So I'm going to name this Isle de Fleur. And it stayed that way for a while on on various maps. But it's a it's named Put-in-Bay actually 
came about because the harbor, they said, looks like a pudding bag. What? I don't know what that means. Also, it's not spelled pudding bay. Right. put hyphen in hyphen bay. Right. So originally they had sometimes written pudding bay or pudin bay, P-U-D-E-N. And they think just through word of mouth that it could have become put in bay. Oh, my God. I got this from the put in bay website. That's so I'm assuming it's true. What's a pudding bag? I don't know what a pudding bag is. What is a pudding bag? (laughs) I always just assumed it had a really great boat launch. So you'd put in your boat? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't Mm. know. Unless... I don't don't uh, like this. I'm going to Google pudding bag and uh, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) see. Unless putinbay.com is just messing with us it's <laughs> like let's see if these idiots believe that it was actually a pudding bang <laughs> what a bunch of dum-dums no but that's what they say also that battle that oliver perry was in mm-hmm. was where a, the common naval expressions of don't give up the ship and we have met the enemy and they are ours that's where yeah. those phrases came from i don't know if those are things Maybe we can ask our brothers if those are things. <laughs> yeah. Both of our brothers were in the Navy. Um, I do know. I, so I have a pin that says don't give up the ship. And it was a, a flag that he it was kind of his catchphrase and he had it made himself. So it's kind of like hastily. Um, it was a blue flag and white letters that say don't give up the ship. And he's like, that's our our motto. And this as your Commodore, you never give up the ship, never give up the ship. And in the battle, at one point, he gave up a ship. Oh. <laughs> and so, Dude. I mean, ultimately they won, but it was very funny to me that he grabbed that flag that said that as he was getting the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the irony. <laughs> yeah. I, it wasn't about this ship. Don't give. It wasn't don't give up this ship. It was don't give up that one that yeah. we're going to. <laughs> I meant all the others. This one can go. But the others yeah, gotta, this gotta one don't give those up. I never liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it for like five bucks at a pawn shop. Whatever, it can go. <laughs> yeah. And I think the phrase "We have met the enemy and they are ours" was a letter he had written. Was okay. in a letter that he had. written. I've heard that phrase before, and I always, it sounds like a movie line. It does. So. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I really had to say about Putin Bay. I hope to go there someday. Apparently everyone and their mother has gone except me. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like a great time. And his brother goes up to Kelly's Island every year. Mm-hmm. And I've never been up to the region at all, ever. We get invited every year and I forget why we ever can't. But yeah, you should check it out. It's uh, what the Keys of the North, the Florida Keys of... Of Ohio. Is it? I had that thought. It seems like a party island, but is it really the spring break destination? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> it is definitely, it has a vibe of like people who really need a vacation. <laughs> that, you know, older people who are just ready to cut loose. I don't know. We had a great time when we were there. We went with our friends and they are a couple years older than us and more responsible. They had a daughter at the time, so they were more responsible. And they're like, hey, you guys want to come with us? And we're like, sure. And, like, they booked the hotel and everything. And we just showed up 
and just threw down (laughs) (laughs) and threw up a little bit um, off of a pier. I did. (laughs) Well, it sounds like if that's if you're going to do it, that's the place to do it. That's the place. It was a great time. Yeah, they've got some like they've got lots of different types of bars, music bars, dance clubs and stuff. Plus, they have like, well, we went and toured a winery that has a crystal cave. So you went down into this cave and it was like being in a giant geode, essentially. It was really cool. Neat. Yeah, definitely check it out. I'm wanting to go back now. I think that would... We'll add it to the list of places we got to go. (laughs) Add it to the list. And Um, we need to drive through your town, too, because I want to see it and maybe get, you know... Maybe take shave a few years off my life while we drive through there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Test out the old lungs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. Now I'm all inspired. I want to like book a vacation. Well, it's to Lake Erie. Little late year. in the season now, I would think. I'm sure the trees for are beautiful right year. now. <laughs> <laughs> go in the winter and see what's happening in the winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's nobody. It looks a lot like Centralia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, right that's now. where this. That's where the population of 71 came from was dead winter yeah yeah nothing to see here (laughs) well very cool that's that's all i had to say this was uh this was a fun one i i liked it i liked researching this uh i'm glad you went because it helped fill in my story a little bit i was just (laughs) i was just reading uh reading fun facts that i got off the uh putting bay website but yeah it's yeah fun that you got to fill in and i'm that's super cool. I did not know that you were potentially related to Oliver yeah. Hazard Perry. I don't, I mean, I don't even remember. I think I read a book about him in elementary school and my mom was like, you know, we're related to him. And then, yeah, I haven't been able to to verify, but that would be super cool. And um, Your mom is a known liar. So... <laughs> <laughs> just yeah constant bullshitting from that lady (laughs) yeah oh man yeah so i i need to get back on that i need to follow that trail because i want to know for sure yeah he was he was an interesting guy and um they've got some breweries up there they have a couple breweries that are named after him like uh beers that are named after him and stuff very cool we were drinking those too but Maybe yeah, you can so, do some comedy up there if they've got a comedy club. <laughs> Good excuse. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I can't imagine any place that's like a destination for getting hammered is just not great for comedy. <laughs> if you can believe it. That's in my experience. Uh, so what are you up to in your small town? You got anything coming up? Anything uh, you need to plug? Uh, we're... Processing turkeys here in a couple weeks. We'll have Ooh, that's, that's fresh exciting. Thanksgiving turkeys. It's it's always bittersweet for me this time of year because I love turkeys. They are probably one of my favorite animals because they yeah. are adorably stupid. I love them so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're so cute, but they are also very delicious. So yeah. <laughs> it's bittersweet for me and we do process our own turkeys. I don't really trust anybody else to do it. And that yeah. way we can deliver them fresh to our customers. To Bloomington, and, Indiana. Ah, we may uh, have an extra. We may be bringing oh. it to you. We, I, I think a lot of them are spoken for at this point. Yeah. But we, we always end up having a few extra. So if you want a turkey and you're in the central Ohio area, we will bring you one. Uh, <laughs> let us know. 
get in touch with us, crimsonmoonfarm.com. You can also find us on TikTok, still making those TikTok videos. If you want to have some good quality, wholesome, funny animal content, go to TikTok. And we're still, of course, posting some things on Facebook. So find us on all the social medias and our website, crimsonmoonfarm.com. But what about you? You got any shows coming up? Um, I do. I am. I'm going to have a very busy end of the year. I'm excited about it. I Starting November 7th, I'm going to be in Indianapolis at the White Rabbit Cabaret. November 10th, I'm going to be at Louisville at um, the Comedy Caravan. November 19th, we're going to be in Auburn, Indiana at the Byler Lane Winery. And uh, I'm going to be posting about that a lot on Facebook so you can have all the information for that. November 22nd, I'm going to be in Indianapolis again at Helium comedy club november 28th i'm in indianapolis again at the sunday show at black circle brewing and december 11th i'm going to be in indianapolis again at beer brewery nice (laughs) indianapolis has a great scene and a lot of very good shows and i'm excited it seems like i'm going to be on all of them in the next two (laughs) months so i'm pretty fired up about it because they produce some really cool shows in that city that scene's really good so I'm excited about that. You can keep up to date on all the other shows that I'm adding in the meantime at uh, Shanda Sung on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, where I haven't posted anything in a while. I mostly just scroll until I fall asleep and drop my phone on my face. (laughs) Stock Crimson Moon Farm. Uh, Yes, yes, I do that also. And um, you can find the podcast also on Facebook and Instagram if you haven't already, Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. And we post about every episode. And, um, you know, I feel like I should post more. Do you guys want to see more pictures of us when we were teenagers? Let me know. I've got more. (laughs) I like to think we look exactly the same, but that might just be me and wishful thinking that I look like I am 17 still. (laughs) You look much closer to your high school version than I do, I think. Because my hair hasn't changed and I still have (laughs) bangs and long red hair. It's never been any different. Yeah, I've been through like 57 different hairstyles, like 12 colors. Yeah, Yeah, I'm about... uh, 30 maybe 40 pounds uh <laughs> heavier but i wear it well i Just like more to, to love yeah no i mean i got a couple extra chins in there that that i didn't have before <laughs> but you know that's that's just comes with age you know that just yeah. I'm, I'm honored i'm honored to have these extra chins yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and some people uh, you know when they're feeling like they need a change they rearrange their house and i rearrange my head yeah you sure do <laughs> do something weird with my hair it's very pink right now yes it is very pink so yeah find us and uh rate review i hope you've enjoyed all of these episodes we've enjoyed making them and i hope you share this show with your best friend yes indeed and every week we like to thank my husband tyler for recording editing producing this show he's great he needs to take me to put in bay that is a fact (laughs) we want to thank you guys for hanging in there with us for 31 episodes this is exciting Feel free to interact with us on Facebook and anywhere else. Reach out to us. We love to hear from you. We love your feedback. If you need anything, whether it be you want a horoscope, you want us to, we'll still do that. (laughs) If you uh, 
I've got stickers. I'll mail you a sticker. Stickers? Yeah. If you have suggestions of things you want to hear for the show, we'll we'll put it in the queue. We'll gladly talk about what you want to hear about. So for Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. Hey, we made it. <laughs> oh, it took us like four tries. It was a little touch and go in there in the beginning. Now I gotta get off this and give my husband back his phone because I'm sure he's jonesing. Uh, yeah. Is he up there reading a book or something? Oh, like a savage. <laughs> he can't even watch TV. We don't have a regular TV. We have we Chromecast everything from our phones. <laughs> if I was nice, I would have given him mine, but I did not. <laughs>